0: Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a man who wishes he was a sensitive ponytail man. He's a man with so much life in him, and he's completely devoid of any emotional larceny. Here's my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate.
1: Ah, that was beautiful. Hola, Ben, I mean.
0: Also joining us as a repeat guest. You may remember him from our Essential 15 Wilco Songs episode. He's the funny man behind the hashtag Jeff jokes. the man who I think that A, he has an act, and that B, not having an act is his act. Here's my brother from another
2: mother. Here's Jeff Johnson. Hello, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. How's the stand-up going? It's good. Uh, everything is good there. Um... I've got a week in Reno uh, at the end of the month, and then a week in Vegas two weeks after you that. You big in Belgium and, yet? And some Portland dates, and I'm huge in Belgium. <laughs> That's right. And Italy. <laughs> I'm loved in Italy and in Belgium. I had, a, I had a big record that just dropped there, I think. Um,
0: you know, and I, I thought about introducing you as he's the only man I know that can mix up Public Enemy with Elvis Costello.
2: Yeah. What's so funny about
1: peace, peace, peace. That really should have been on this record though. They really should have put that on there somewhere.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They almost need to do a Tommy boy and throw a little bit of the dialogue quotes on there as well. I miss that. Yeah.
0: How many, how many times did we, did we quote that at Salt Lake buzz games?
2: Way too many. Just hundreds. Let me
0: give you the background story on that before we actually jump into everything else. So, there was a there was a first baseman on the Salt Lake Buzz. He was a Minnesota Twins prospect. His name was Steve Dunn. Steve Dunn is also <laughs> the main character in the movie that we're gonna talk about tonight, which is
2: Campbell Scott's yeah. character. And
0: so the 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 uh, scene where Campbell Scott goes into that was a pay and save, right? Wasn't that a pay and save?
2: I I don't remember what it was now that you mention it. It. Feel,
0: it felt like it was a pay and save. So he comes into the pay and save. Jeremy Piven is his uh, grocery clerk. And he goes, Steve Dunn, Doug <laughs> <"D- Dunk> Ugly, <laughs> Mr. Deacon's class. What is up, you
2: old goat? What is up, <laughs> you old goat? <laughs> every time he came came up, every time he made every a play. T-
0: every time. And every, everybody yeah. around us would always look at us like, what is wrong with these freaks? What is
2: up, you old goat? <laughs> so here's here's something I wanted to get out there real quick that I regret about the first time I was on your show. I regret, uh, and I I plan on rectifying it today. Um, I regret my complete lack of forcing you to use your clown horn. I think that was a mistake on my part. <laughs> I think it was a real mistake. And uh, in those veins, I also want to clear something up with Wayne. I kind of I've got a little bit of a of a beef with him that I feel like I should clear the air before we discuss. <laughs> um dude toto's africa you don't like toto's africa what the and that's a that's a great song i've never met anybody who doesn't like toto's africa that's the weirdest thing i've ever heard I hope you're being deliberately provocative. That is a terrible song. It is amazing. Uh, I, oh, I love I've met, bad. I've never met anybody. I've never met anybody who doesn't like that song. I was so, I, I remember where I was. I was driving to a comedy gig in Santa Barbara on PCH. And I almost ran off into the ocean when I heard you say that. I couldn't believe it. It just, I was like, <laughs> he's, he's faking this, right?
0: <laughs> I'm going to uh, come back I, in 20 minutes and you guys just fight it out amongst <laughs> yourselves. Okay. <laughs>
2: You can see that I've been oh, wearing no, this. No. I've been wearing this ever since. I've just been like, let me get a chance. Just let me have one chance.
1: If I get uh, if I get a hold of that Wayne Fugit, I'm going to tell him all about Toto and their
0: terrible songs.
2: Oh, brutal.
0: And we haven't even talked to right. t-shirts yet.
2: Oh, sorry. Oh,
0: no. We're we're De- completely off track. Thank did you. I Thank derail you. you. Yeah, you you derailed us. But that it's it's okay. It's a, maybe maybe I did it with the Steve. Dunn you did. Stuff, you actually so.
2: started it. He started it, Wayne
0: ah it's my fault tonight for this episode i'm going to be the super me (laughs) i'm going to be what if the super super you
2: meets the super her and the super her rejects the super you
0: i got 20 numbers in my watch (laughs) 20 numbers (laughs) we're gonna do this all night all right let's let's get to it so uh you know what you know what the all-important question is you've been on the, the episode before So, Jeff, what T-shirt
2: are you wearing? I am wearing the T-shirt that I felt like was the most, like, broadly representative that would also make you feel bad, um, which is my new goal for any time I appear on your show, which is Temple of the Dog concert shirt from 2016. All right.
0: So this is where I clown car horn myself as well. (laughs) You, Jeff.
2: (laughs) I am two for two on digging it in, man.
1: Ah, and he
0: said he wasn't going to clown horn himself. I did say that, didn't I? but I just, yeah.
1: I, I bring it out. I bring it out in
0: you. Yeah. You brought it out in me. All right. So uh, I like
1: that though. Go clown horn yourself. That's what I'm going to say to people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like at work.
0: That's, that's like a good logo for the back of a t-shirt, right?
1: Yeah. Or yeah. a bumper sticker. Go clown horn yourself.
0: I like it. All right, Wayne. What-
2: so from two, 2016, I saw that show at the, uh, at the, uh, fabulous forum.
0: I'm pretty sure I, w- I was asking Wayne to talk, be quiet. Right. Sorry. <laughs> so Wayne, what T-shirt are you wearing?
2: I'm wearing
1: my Allison Chains uh, Rooster shirt.
0: All right, nice. And and nice. um, I am wearing the latest addition to Wayne's T-shirt collection. So a friend, so a friend of,
2: so a friend of new level of Wayne's weird t-shirt. for you guys, I think. Oh,
0: absolutely. So a friend of mine had an extra free ticket to go see Candlebox last night, and uh, as a joke, I was like, "Hey uh, Wayne, do you want me to pick you up a T-shirt and?" He said, yes. So I'm, I, I thought I'd wear it first. I promised to wash <laughs> it. I promised to wash it for you before I send it to you. Just so you know, I might be going commando right now and sitting on the shirt in my bare <laughs> body. Wow.
1: Why would you be wearing your shirt? Um, if you can't be wearing the shirt and sitting on it at the same
2: time. I'm, I'm kidding. Oh. I'm totally kidding. So I'm um, not wearing pants either. So uh, yeah.
1: No, that's all, that's all right because I got a couple of shirts sitting in my closet for you, and I'm pretty
2: sure they're going to get rubbed against my balls. Get the diaper treatment. You can you can do the uh, Kira Sedgwick uh, with his shirt, Wayne, and you can t- wash the toilet a it,
1: and then set it right to up him. around the right up around the neck part. That's that's right for sure there. Just it, really get yeah. in there.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. So I do have to say one aside on this whole candle box thing. So I was I was told by my friend who gave me the free ticket. He said, I better give Candlebox some props because I told him that we had given Candlebox some crap on a recent episode. And and I'm misremembering. So I thought it was on the Hammerbox episode, mm-hmm. but Jeff, you said it was on the Alice Allison Chains.
2: Chains episode is where you guys were because you, you were talking about a lot about the Seattle stuff then, and they came up. They came up and a couple other bands came up that you guys were kind of knocking, and I and I was listening to it, thinking I was like, yeah, I don't really think of Candlebox really being part of the Seattle sound, uh, but I, they did have a couple songs I kind of liked.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to eat some crow. They actually still sound really good. Um, they're never going to be grunge. I know that they were tried to, you know, that the label tried their hardest to lump them in with the whole Seattle grunge movement. They're not. They're they're a hard rock band. Um, and, and the, uh, the, this friend said, um, so are, do you guys consider them the Nickelback of the Seattle? Oh, that's
2: harsh words. <laughs> oh no, that's, <laughs> that's Queensryche. That's a,
0: let's not get, uh, I said, that's a little harsh, but no. Um, and, and the, the room was crowded. Uh, I think Orlando really digs them because they really do have this seven Mary three vibe to them. And that's. That's really Orlando's one of Orlando's favorite native bands is Cumber- Cumbersome
2: is the is the official song of the it city, is. isn't it?
0: It really is. You you you, <laughs> it, it wow. that still gets a lot of play on the rock station down here, um, just because you know it's there. There really isn't a whole lot of those nationally known bands from from this area well we're we're gonna try and change that there are some there is a good scene down here in Orlando we just had um Hannah Harbor on uh, for for an episode and I've got a few other local Orlando guests coming on soon so well we're, we're gonna try and change that a little bit never gonna be never gonna be the Seattle thing that was lightning in a bottle I think but um yeah all right we ready to move on? Yeah, why not? So we're so we're deeming the month of March as Cameron Crow soundtrack month. Uh, we've uh, already talked with uh, Jonathan Evison about fast times at Ridgemont High. That was <laughs> that was a blast, a roller <laughs> that was a roller coaster ride.
1: Yeah, Timothy B Schmidt didn't come out very well in that whole whole podcast, but that's all right
0: because of you.
1: He deserves every bit of it.
0: So, so let's, let's talk about, let's talk about Cameron Crowe. Yeah. So how, how many other filmmakers can eloquently weave music into the narrative like Cameron Crowe can? So just think about some of the memorable moments. So, so my friend Mark just vilified me in text because he listened to our 45 episode where I said, the music and say anything outside of Peter Gabriel doesn't really move anything along. And he totally called me on the carpet. He was like, what about, you know, the mother love bone song? What about the replacement song? And I'm like, neither one of them are really moved the narrative along, but you know, think about almost famous, right? When you think almost famous, what songs are you thinking about?
2: Right, uh, you you know, a Tiny Dancer quickly comes to mind for that one.
0: Fever Dog, yeah.
2: Well, f- <laughs> fever, fever Dog, but <clears throat> he has he has an ability to weave music in, even. But I, here's the thing: I would agree with what he's saying while agreeing with what you're saying is that um, the reality is is the songs create a fabric in there, whether they move the narrative along. He does a nice job. I'm guessing probably writing with music in mind to begin with. Um, and even if he doesn't end up with the song, he understands the way that a scene needs a, a particular feel and a, a rhythm to it. I think Tarantino is another person that, that uh, I feel very much the same way about. I also, um, I think Paul Thomas Anderson is another example and uh, Wes Anderson. Uh, those are all ones that come to mind that really use music very, very well in their filmmaking
0: watching this movie again, I wasn't so sure that the music really had one of those, you know, memorable type of moments. There is no John Cusack holding the boom box over his head moment for, for singles. But to your point, Jeff, I mean, I think the music does move the narrative along. It may not be a, the big part of the narrative, but I think it moves it along.
2: Right. I I, I think so too.
0: And I, I mean,
2: yeah, I don't know that any of the
1: the the movie didn't seem to match the really good songs on the soundtrack. I mean, really, the song that moves along the movie is uh, "Waiting for Somebody." It's probably in what three or four different versions, played like six or seven times. I mean, really, that's what the theme of the movie is about. Um, but oh, the, I agree
2: with I agree with that.
1: Yeah, the the there were great. I mean, that Alice in Chains scene is. Just, it's just awesome just because you just see these guys at their at their best. I mean, they were on top of the world and that they just had uh, that's a great scene, but it, it could have been any band really for to, you know, for where they were. But waiting for somebody is really could have been the title of the movie, but it's played in different. And I do I do like the way that he played it in different versions there's like they're most of them are acoustic but they're not the same
2: well and and westerberg was credited as scoring this as well so he's got he does he has some acoustic versions of that and dyslexic heart playing in the background and i agree i think the westerberg music actually is the backbone of the the film and the uh you know a lot of the seattle sound stuff is more you know the events that are going on um i think that that's that's kind of what takes place the 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 closest thing to a kusak um uh, boombox moment to me is the uh, Tad the Tad song when the car windows break. Oh <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I mean when 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 he is cranking it up and and Chris Cornell's you know standing right by and Matt Dillon's just rocking his head out. He hits the remote a little more and then the windows pop out. That's the close. That's like the it's the anti boombox uh, moment. Uh, and and to me it almost feels specifically like it is the anti moment to Kuzak holding up the boombox and say anything.
0: Well, I I wonder I wonder if initially Cameron Crowe was planning on having birth ritual be more a part of that particular scene because that, that's the that's I think the John Cusack holding the boombox moment is when Steve is in the. What the 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 stoners look at and think that is uh, the bathroom, you know? <laughs> yeah, and they're and they're you know, and he's like, this is not the bathroom.
1: And if they would have merged those two scenes, like if he would have been playing Birth Ritual in the car, because I think the next scene is 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 the one where Chris Chris Cornell goes from standing right next to him to being on stage. That would have that could have been a cool yeah. effect if he's playing Birth Ritual in the car and it blows out all the windows and then. They're in the club and Soundgarden's playing it on stage. Rewrite, rewrite,
0: right? And and I, I must have rewound that a zillion times. So I used that to get back together with um, somebody way back in the day. Um, you know, I had to call you. It's about midnight. I was just having many, you know, and I changed the beers because you know I don't drink. So I was I was just having many Dr. Peppers, and I uh, just wanted to say. What I should have said at the dock, I freaking chickened out. When I acted casual, like Mister Casual, I want to be new to you. I want to be Mister New. Along with me, yeah. <laughs> so um, I did do that. I did leave that on somebody's answering machine, and did it work? We got back together for like two months, and yeah, um,
2: okay, but,
0: yeah. Um, there's not a happy ending for that one. <laughs> You, you know at any you, point you, at any you,
2: point in that two months there wasn't
0: uh no, no.
2: wow <laughs> nice oh uh, sorry
0: that, that, that's good man yeah. that's good that's, why, that's, that's why we have the stand-up comic that's why we have the stand-up comics on these on these episodes i gotta
2: try and bring it a little bit um yeah i think just uh the, I, I, the movie overall for me the amazing thing about it, it came out in in september of 1992 now uh i'm significantly younger than you two. Uh, so I, gra- I graduated from high school. I graduated from high school that year. Um,
1: That's not <clears throat> significantly younger.
2: <laughs> I know, but I'm going to milk it. <laughs> okay. uh, I graduated, I graduated the, you know, the previous uh, uh, June or May or whatever our graduation was. So I had just started my... <clears throat> I did summer term in Rexburg, Idaho. So I'd been up there for, you know, a couple of months at that point. And I was starting to feel a little homesick. And I got to tell you, sitting in the theater and watching that movie was amazing to me. I was like, they made a movie that feels a little bit like home. And it felt like all the tropes were there. And the, you know, the obviously the uh, Boeing reference uh, from the Eric Stoltz mime and uh, the way that he reacts to him saying he works on airplanes or fixes airplanes or whatever he says um but it was such a cool feeling to i it was the first movie that i really remember feeling like that was made about what was going on right then and there and was current as well or ahead of it in a little bit um which you know again it was just an immediately appealing film for me i think i saw it three times in that Idaho Falls theater uh which I had no money so I had no business doing but and then you know of course you and I anytime we got together forever we would it, it was a must you had to watch the film
0: yeah how many times do you think we've watched this movie
2: 20 uh together yeah, yeah. 20 yeah. together and I, I mean I this yep. I've probably seen this movie you know 35 times.
0: Right. And, and everybody always asked me, uh, you know, this used to be the favorite movie that I would, you know, when people would ask, what's your favorite movie? This would be my go to. I mean, it's it's since been replaced by Shawshank. I will say that. Um, but this was this was the one that I used to tell everybody, this is my favorite. And they would be like, why? <laughs> I'm like, all right, let me let me list the reasons. And all of them are stupid, but they're all my reasons. A. Xavier McDaniel references. Okay. (laughs) You
2: dare to rip the X-Man. You dare
0: to (laughs) to rip the X-Man. All right. So there's, there's a B. I worked at Wayne Cody's restaurant for four months. Okay. I've met the guy. Um, He is the fat sportscaster that interviews X real real briefly. So I I had that connection. Uh, C uh, around that time. We were super into Pearl Jam, were we not? Super
2: into Pearl Jam, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and Soundgarden, and Allison Chains, um, uh, you know, and um, I mean that was just it. It was everything right then. That was all of it. All and, and when I saw this, this is that that was my outfit in college. Was <laughs> it was a flannel shirt I, every day. Oh, yeah. I I'm dressed sure. like that.
1: Yeah, I'm and sure. I
2: had I had you know I had uh, you know I had that long. Uh, floppy hair on top with the sides of my head shaved. It wasn't like I could never quite get the Matt Dillon length, but that I wanted to look as grunge as I possibly could at that particular point, especially being at a Mormon school in Idaho.
0: And, and our, my favorite, one of my favorite inside jokes between you and I, anytime somebody would find out that we were from the Seattle area and they would go, so who's your favorite band? And we would, and we would look at each other and go, heart
2: heart yeah heart
0: so that's that's one of my favorite inside jokes and,
2: and it's got an incredible heart. amount of cameos there's so many great cameos in this of people that um you know are definitely big now you've got Eric Stoltz and Paul Giamatti Jeremy Piven obviously you got the Pearl Jam guys in there Tim Burton Tom scarrett X-Man uh Peter Horton Victor Garber has a little part uh obviously Chris Cornell Christopher Masterson is the kid Wayne Cody uh, Bruce Pavitt uh, of um, Sub Pop, you know, the Sub Pop. Yeah. It's,
0: he's, he's he's one of the, the he's one of the uh, choices for, yes. for Debbie. Expect the best.
2: Yeah, there's so many great. And then Cameron Crowe uh, as well as the reporter. And then uh, yeah. the, the guy from Tad, the lead singer of Tad. He's the one that she that she calls on the phone when she's got the uh, green oh, face mask. Ah,
1: right. oh, I didn't
0: yeah. know that.
2: That's the lead singer of Tad, and she, he's like, "Lady, I don't, I don't know who this, who you're calling, but I'll be right over."
0: <laughs> yes, yes,
2: yeah. The funny thing is, I don't, I don't say that this is the best movie. I've got my favorites, or like my second is Shawshank, my first is Grapes of Wrath, and then Lebowski. But this still, even now, and watching it again uh, last week to prep for this, this one has a real special place still for me. Like I still get those feels when I see it. You know, the 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 uh, the scenery, the landscape, the way that those characters are portrayed, because it would be easy to make it sort of a, a mocking uh, feel as well. And it might have been easier to a year or two later after that scene had blown up because this actually came out right before the scene blew up uh, nationally yeah. or, or right as it was blowing up. It was being made, I guess, right before the scene blew up. And uh, the reality is, is that uh, all the tropes that are in there are still pretty loving. You know, I mean, it's still got some some real nice uh, reverence for those individuals in their own way.
0: All right. Have we talked enough about the 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 movie? Wayne Wayne is a uh, very, very, very quiet back here.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I because I don't want to I don't want to rain on your guys's parade. I mean, a lot of movies I have movies that I think are are. I, when people say my favorite movie, you know, my favorite movie is Pulp Fiction. Um, this is no Pulp Fiction. This is not even a Reality Bites. I just feel oh. like that it reduced the whole thing to cliche. Uh, it doesn't stand up. It's very dated. It's very dated. It. I really after I thought Fast Times at Ridgemont High held up better than Singles. And I, But once again, I'm not here to, to, to cast dispersions. Uh, yeah, you are. I think Cameron Crowe overdid. Well, okay, that is my thing. But uh, anyway,
2: yeah, I, I, I get, I get what you're saying in terms
1: of. You guys have, a, you guys have a heartfelt. I mean, listening to your stories, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shocked that you guys. I mean, when you learn all the lines and it did have some fun lines. I did, I like I told Ben, I enjoyed watching it. I watched it last night, but I remember watching it thinking, wow. They've reduced us all to cliches. But like, they weren't we yet. Didn't, you, they not, weren't
2: yet. You know what I mean? They became eh, cliches, eh. but they weren't at the time that they made it. And so I, I get what you're saying about it being dated. And I, I I think there's an argument to be made for that, especially if you were to show it to someone else. It's not dated for me because I definitely feel like it's a little bit of a time capsule of, of what that felt like at the time, uh, at least to an extent. And they were archetypes uh, of those characters for sure. Uh, but at the same time, I still feel, I I feel less that it's dated and more that it sort of represents a place in time of Seattle that I'll never quite see again, especially with the Amazon boom. Uh, that city is not the same anymore. It doesn't have that vibe anymore the same way.
1: Oh no, I don't even think she could have afforded that in 1992. Not a chance. That's that that thing. Even back then, that thing would have been $1,800 or something. Now it's. Now, now it's been sold for seventy, you know, seven hundred fifty thousand. Right, right.
2: So for me, rather than dated, I I feel like it's a time capsule, um, uh, of a specific point in time. Not just for what they're showing in Seattle, but it also definitely takes me right back to where I was when I watched it. So I I don't disagree with you in terms of the dating, but. For me, I still just sit and I just love it. I, I love it and I smile, and uh, it's just a movie that makes me happy. And it, it isn't my favorite anymore, but there was a point in time when it was, and and I still feel what it was about it that that made it. I don't feel silly for loving this film the way I may about s- some other films.
0: Was that when you used to live out by the airport, you know, <laughs> right. underneath the flight patterns,
1: <laughs> and nobody would come to your cookout? I, I miss I miss those planes, I miss man. The noise. I miss, I miss those, those planes.
0: Po- Jeff, what are you talking about? I don't know.
2: I don't know.
1: (laughs) And like I say, I could definitely see if I had, but here's the thing. I've watched the movie twice. I watched it once in 1992 and I was, I was glad to do it. And mostly I went for the music because I was into those bands. I guess I've mentioned it before. I was into Alice in Chains and Mother Love Bone, maybe not more, not earlier than anybody, but earlier than the vast majority of people. So I went to see it for that, but then I didn't see it again for, Thirty-seven years or something, and so I don't have the same connection with it. Which I was going to sit here quietly, but Ben wanted to call me out. No, so. it's
2: fine. It's fine to rip on our childhood and our youth <laughs> and our memories <laughs> to stomp, stomp on them as though there's some awful sort of
1: stomp all
2: over your frigid. memory. Just Doc, Doc Martin, stomp on all of our our good times with the uh, to make make them seem frivolous. I well, get it, man.
1: It's probably because I, I already it. had two kids and a minimum wage <laughs> job.
2: Like I said, man, I am so much younger than you that. um... (laughs) I wish. I wish. Yeah. No, I I get it. I I get it. But this film definitely. um, I invested the time in this one a lot over the years. And uh, it's I'm sure if it's a a film that if I show somebody else, they'd be like, "Mm, "Okay, all right. There's some funny stuff. But uh, uh, I could always watch it with Ben. We'll always go out dancing. We will always go out. (laughs) What? We will always go out dancing.
0: And I was watching this where uh, my my wife and my daughter were doing some stuff in the kitchen, and yeah, they both looked at me like, "What are you watching?" And yeah. yeah, and and I made Mary when we first got married. I made her watch this movie, and she's like, "I don't get it." And it's like, "All right, I, that's fine. You're from Florida. I'm from." The Northwest, look, we're going to just agree to disagree. But, you know, she also has a, a level of disdain for PCU as well, which. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that one that one hurts a little bit, too.
2: Yeah, that that would hurt. Yeah, uh, this one would hurt more for me, but uh
0: it's all good. How about we jump into the soundtrack? Isn't that the whole reason? I why guess. We're Having this. All, all right. right. If you insist, if, if we have to all right uh all right let's jump into it here is the first song this is Alice in Chains not would like what Wayne sports when he's watching Phoebe Cates and fast times.
1: Whatever happens to me, whenever I hear moving in stereo by the cars, I get hard on (laughs) it.
2: That's how I feel when I hear Africa.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh. 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 Fair enough. All right. have our thing. All right. You guys, (laughs) you you guys remember what part of the movie this is in? Uh, Yeah. 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 Yeah, so uh, Cliff is getting interviewed um, about big record in Belgium uh, about Citizen yep. Dick. So, 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 tell us what is it, uh, "Touch Me, I'm Dick" about?
1: Uh, <laughs> it's fairly self explanatory.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, you might think it's about a guy named named Dick, and you know, you, you know, you, you can touch me, but I, I think you can see it both ways. How
0: good? How good is this song? This is perfect way to start a soundtrack. I know I talk about this all the freaking time on the on the podcast, but you gotta start out strong and this this starts out strong. I mean, this is this is, I'm gonna throw this out there. This is my favorite Allison Chain song. Period. Mine
2: too. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. It's absolutely my favorite. The funny thing about this soundtrack, I'll just take a quick aside. It has my favorite Alice in Chains song. It has my favorite Pearl Jam song. It has my favorite uh, Screaming Trees song, my favorite Smashing Pumpkins song. Uh, and it has my favorite Chris Cornell song. It's, it's got it's got all of those. There, there's some amazing songs, and this one is definitely right up there. It is my favorite Alice in Chains song. Uh, this one was written about Andrew Wood. Uh, Jerry Cantrell wrote it about Andrew Wood. Um, and it's just powerful and passionate and the scene in the movie helps it uh it's it's wonderful yeah
1: yeah the drumming on this is great those big uh primal tribal drums pushing it along this is not my favorite allison shane song is we die young um this is definitely right up there uh and 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 like i say this is the way to to start a record the record in my, the soundtrack in my opinion is far and away better than the movie
2: I think it's better. It's better than the movie in its own way. Um, the interesting thing about soundtrack is it was a bestseller three months before the movie came out. Who who releases a soundtrack before the movie? That way, it's not very often. No, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, um, and they and, double uh, double drop the singles.
2: Did 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 we did we even talk about whether or not where this would sit on our favorite soundtracks, let alone the the song? Um. We, we, we can, I'm just going to throw, sorry. I'm just going to throw that out here.
0: Number one for me,
2: number one soundtrack for me, uh, two. uh, it's, it, to me, it's kind of close between this and, um, uh, Oh brother, where art thou? But, uh, this, this one tends to win out for me.
0: Yeah. I can't do that one.
2: I love it. I know you do. <laughs> I, I know it. you
0: do. We've had,
2: oh, that is a great uh, movie. We,
0: we've had lots of debates over the years about that. I just can't do it. I just third for me is purple rain. <laughs> uh, purple rain is right up there. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah,
1: this is this is in this is one of my. I would have to. Ah, this is right up there. It's it's number two or three.
0: What what would what would, what else would be in that conversation?
1: Uh, you know what I like? You had mentioned before the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. I re- I, I really just like to listen to. It's got yeah. I'm with you on that too. That ones, like, definitely, a lot of like stuff that's not old. It sounds old. It's just got. It's just a great soundtrack. I can listen to it a lot.
2: I think this one more than, uh, for, than most, most other soundtracks for me, uh, the way it holds up is that it, again, it does have so many quality songs. There's really only three songs on this, on this soundtrack that I don't love. Uh, there's, there's one that I just don't feel like fits the movie so much in the soundtrack. There's one that I don't like and one I freaking hate. And other than that, I just think it's incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can say, let's get some scores. 11. Jeff.
2: It's my 11 as well. Eleven.
0: Uh, this is my thirteen. This is my this is my top score on this album. All right, love love everything about this song. Love everything about it. All right, let's move on. Here is the second song. This is uh, Breathe by Pearl Jam. All right, who wants to get us started?
1: I put it I put this pretty low, so I'm just gonna get it out of the way. Cause I hope this is not his favorite Pearl Jam song. Uh this sounds phoned in and <laughs> uninspired. Uh, and it's missing. Eddie Vedder, like, he brings it every time. Like he feels he, he just has this amount of conviction. Like every song he sings, it feels like he's living it. And and this one is this is the one, this is one of the Pearl Jam songs that I've one of the few Pearl Jam songs I've ever I've ever heard that that doesn't have that.
2: I completely agree with you, hundred um, percent. We're on the same page. This is one. It's I don't. I I don't think it's probably my least favorite. If I really dug through all the Pearl Jam category uh, canon, but uh, I don't love this. It feels very mailed in, very generic. It's a generic Pearl Jam song for me, especially you know in comparison to the other song on yeah, this absolutely. particular soundtrack um it, it just uh, it 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 doesn't feel like a pearl jam song it feels like something they just cobbled together i, I think it's breath though i don't think it's breathe i think it's because it's Is it
0: breath it Could be any e, yeah
2: yeah yeah it's okay. breath and, and it's it plays during the the you know the car accident scene car,
0: car accident yeah
2: you know so it has some impact in the movie but man on the soundtrack i i'm, I'm very meh on it so
1: and here's one aside about the movie because this does play during the car accident scene He mentions the light being yellow, but if his light is yellow, which means his light was previously green, there's no reason for that truck to be speeding through a light he assumes is going to be green. That whole thing didn't even make sense.
2: Well, I don't, I think that that's, it's someone approaching it too quick. Yeah, I think that's someone approaching, you know, when you approach a a red light, you see the other one is turning and you can tell it's going to turn green. You you try and jump it. That's what it felt like to me.
1: Mm. Seemed out the whole thing seemed out of place. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i'm
2: looking at songwriting credits
0: so the the difference between the other pearl jam song that's on here that one is written by vetter mccready and jeff Amett. this aim one is written did i say yeah, okay aim it. um yeah aim it. and this one is written by eddie and stone so you know to to that point i mean we just talked with jonathan look stone stone got fired from a from a <laughs> punk rock band
2: stone is my least favorite pearl jam ever
0: yeah
1: mine too just, that's a great name i wish i would have i mean I, my kid's got a pretty cool name but if not stone is a great that's a great name
2: yeah and this is uh some information on this too mccready said was that it's a it's actually an old song of stones from when he was in love, mother love bone
0: oh, um okay
2: it, it it, it, it's really not, it's not a Pearl jam song. It's something that stone threw in that they were able to put together for and use on this. And it, it just isn't much of a song.
0: It's, it's a demo track. I think this, yeah. this is, this is a leftover from 10 and you know, sure. Why not take, take it. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's get some scores. So I'm giving this a two Wayne.
1: Three.
2: Jeff. Uh, four. This okay. is a four for me.
0: Okay. So we're, 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 we're pretty right in there. And it's, it's a uh, bottom end of this soundtrack. All right, let's move on to third song. So this is Chris Cornell and Seasons.
2: As the seasons roll on by.
0: Yeah. And when I first heard this song, I was like, "This is the same dude who uh, is in Soundgarden." Cause I, yep. Because I mean, I our introduction to Soundgarden was, you know, louder than love, louder and, than and, love. And, and and really in your face, down your throat type of screaming i mean the what you see in the movie of birth ritual and him just wailing that's what we're used to so now you get chris cornell and you're like holy crap he can actually
2: sing this is the first glimpse of that that i got as well like this guy has a voice and uh just a lot of depth and soul and i love this song this song is a really really fantastic song um, I, I saw this, I went to the Chris Cornell tribute show, um, month or two back. And, uh, Adam Levine is the one who came out to sing it with stone playing guitar. And it, immediately I start rolling my eyes. I'm like, Oh, Adam Levine is going to be the one that does this. This is before the infamous super bowl, uh, shirt, uh, unveiling. Um, and, uh, he killed it. He absolutely, it was a, f- a phenomenal, sound i mean he he was able to pull off the cornell sound that was the the interesting thing about that show was that the number one thing i came away from is how hard it is to sing chris cornell songs because not many did it the guys struggled more than the the women and uh this is one of those songs that you know really stuck out from that night i almost got in a fight during the song why i don't know these, these douchebags behind us that were VIPs, They Vicky Cornell had come around to talk to them before too and they're just these big douchey guys and um, they just wouldn't shut up. They wouldn't shut up and during a quiet song like this and this is one of my favorites, one of the songs I was hoping they'd do that night and uh, they just wouldn't shut up all night just talking full volume uh, and they had VIP lanyards, like go go back and sit in the VIP area and so I just whip around and I go, will you shut the <laughs> up? Sorry, there's the horn honk again, I'm sure. Um, and... Uh, and I turn back around. I have that feeling of like, ah, oh, don't hit me in the head. You got to, You you know, don't punch me in the back of the head. That's that's all I can think as I turn back around. But you got to go strong with it. Like, oh, you yeah, just don't you, care. You got
1: to turn around. Like you punch me. Like, punch me in the back of the head. You'll regret that's it. A, that's how I did it.
2: I owned it. And and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, please don't hit me in the back of the head. Don't hit me. Uh, and the guy the guy starts in on me about. Uh, he goes, really, you're going to ask that rudely. You're going to be that rude. You don't. You can't be polite about it. I didn't say a word to. It. I'm like, you're being rude the whole time. And I'm supposed to be polite. In my request. So it's uh, it's it's kind of becoming a thing with me with people at concerts. I think I'm, I'm, and movies, and uh, I think I am looking for a fight. Is what I am saying.
0: Look at look at you, like I like it. Wow. I go through phases like that too.
2: Yeah, I just it gets I get this angry young man thing in me every once in a while, and I am like, it's so disrespectful to everybody else around you. But the point was, the song was so good. Had Adam Levine been sucking it up, I would have been like, eh. but, uh, yeah. But it was really cool to see this to get to see this live that way. It's a great song. I'm giving this an eleven, Wayne.
1: I gave it a seven. This, I mean, I this I agree. This is a really great song, um, and this is the first time um, we got a, that other side of Chris Cornell that that wasn't this. You know, because Soundgarden was a lot heavier than most of the bands in the Seattle scene that made it big, and so there was uh, this was that other side of him. And uh, but I have some songs on here that I just
2: really, really, really like. So
0: yeah, yep.
2: This is, a, this is a ten for me.
0: Okay. Yeah. Solid. All right. Let's uh let's move on. Here's the fourth song. This is Paul Westerberg's Dyslexic Heart. Think about I can't say that the title without wanting to go na 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 na
2: na 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 na, 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 na. Yeah.
0: um and and you know how I love I love everything Paul Westerberg um I am a replacements fan we know that Wayne knows that
2: this was my introduction to uh, Westerberg and the replacements to be honest this was my gateway into that. I remember at the time this came out and you and I discussing it and I was like, I love the music of that. You're like, that's Paul Westerberg. That's the lead singer of the replacements. And I had heard, um, you know, I'd heard a, f- a few of the songs that you would hear, uh, on the radio and not really know that they were replacements. We didn't have the internet, so it wasn't as easy to just right. know exactly what something was, but, um, uh, you know, stuff like can't hardly wait or, or whatever. But this was the song that I dove into, um, all of his stuff from, I, I got, to, is it the, 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 album that he did this was, these were his first two solo songs that yes. were released. And then it was 14 songs, um, was the solo album he did just after that, which again, if you like these songs, man, that, that whole album has a continuation of that vibe that he was writing at this time. Um, and I loved it. And then I dove into the replacements, deep dove into it. And it's just, uh, mind blowing to me to listen to all their stuff at that point you know, just coming out of high school and, and that this was my introduction to all of their stuff.
1: Yeah. This song is super clever. I mean, I love, I love the line about, is this your name or a doctor's eye chart? It's just the whole thing. This is my second favorite Paul Westerberg song. I think he, I think he started really coming into his own as a song songwriter slowly. And then by all shook down, it was clear. And this is just a continuation of that. But I just, the lyrics in this, you know, from beginning to end are are just super clever i love them
2: totally agree he's it's it, he has a clever songwriting ability and clever lyric ability what's your favorite uh world class fad yeah that's great uh this is this is my favorite paul westerberg song uh, again probably with the tie to the movie but uh i love it
0: you guys have putting me on the spot cuz i don't know what my favorite <laughs> paul westerberg song is we could, we could, yeah, we could go on and on all night about Paul Westerberg and how much I love the replacements and yeah.
2: I think fourteen songs would be a great album to revisit. That's that's a, a terrific be a fantastic
0: album. Fantastic, yeah. to revisit.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely want to do all. Shook yeah, down. the uh, and, then, and then all of his, yeah, all shook down, all of his, all of his grandpa boy stuff too. The stereo mono. I, he's just yeah, his solo output is really, really wonderful on its own. Um, you know, it goes along nicely with the replacement stuff. Yeah.
0: All right, let's get some scores. Wayne, you already told us.
1: Yeah, this is a 12. It's my it's my second favorite Paul Westerberg song. It's my second favorite song on the album. And it's funny is I don't think either one of the Paul Westerberg songs fit this rest of the record, but I just love the song so much.
2: Yeah, they don't fit the record necessarily out of context with the movie, but boy, they they paint the landscape of the movie. This is a not... They're both,
1: they're both critical to the movie. I absolutely agree. Like, like I said earlier, I'm waiting for somebody has played on different versions throughout the whole movie. I think both of those songs are important. But as far as looking at it on the soundtrack, because the other Paul Westerberg song fell way down, because it just doesn't because it doesn't fit. And it's not my this song I love so much that it just transcends all of that.
2: Yeah, I'm the same way with it. Uh, this is this is looking Seattle but feeling Minnesota. Maybe perhaps <laughs> Ooh, so, outshine. It's got outshine. Uh, outshine. Outshine. This is my nine. This is my this is uh, nine points for me. It's way up there, but it does get a little bit outshined uh, by some of the other things that are I think more Seattle centric songs for this movie. For me, um, is the only reason it ranks there.
0: And I give this a ten. So we're definitely uh, I think in step there all right moving on here we go this is uh the lovemongers with battle of evermore get this out there okay uh this is this is the worst song on led zeppelin 4 i it's also the worst song on this soundtrack
2: i hate this horn honking song i hate this horn honking song
0: i
1: and i knew this I I, i couldn't agree more like i get they had to when you do something about seattle you have to connect to jimmy and Hart. there's no way around it you have to i will give them this it's a bold choice doing a Led Zeppelin cover because I challenge anybody to, to, be able, to be able to do it. Jimmy Page, and especially if you're going to go guitar and vocals, which Jimmy Page is the most, I mean, he plays the guitar really fluidly. Like he doesn't, he, you couldn't duplicate it because he's just gliding all over the place. And Robert Plant, who wants to try to sing a Robert Plant song? But that mandolin felt like a cheese grater on my inner ear. And
2: this—it it was horrible. Death. It hurts my ears so bad when I listen to this, like a dog whistle to me. I it, it it is painful, and I forced myself to listen to it a couple of times to prepare for this and go. Am I giving this a fair shot? I hate this horn honking song. I hate it. It is so bad. Uh, I can't. I will never listen to it again after this this session of being forced to listen to it. Yeah, it's brutal. I will
0: Never listen to it again. <laughs> I agree. Uh, and it's and it's rare. It's totally rare when we have three people on a uh, an episode that we agree. <laughs> no,
1: nah, I I knew I knew I was like uh, I would have judged you guys poorly if you would have if this would have I wouldn't trust either one of
2: you if this wasn't your worst song.
1: Yeah, I would have never even yeah. I, same way I would have felt differently about you, Ben, and I and I've known you thirty some years.
2: There's some gray area in some other songs. We can agree to disagree, yeah. et cetera. But this song is, it, it's just, there's no question whatsoever. And, 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 you know, I get it. He's married to her. He's going to put a song from them on, but put something, put heart on. I, I, I would have much rather heard a heart song than this song. I freaking.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. should have done some sort of an, an acoustic version of heartless or barracuda or, you know, yeah. I mean, there's so many other things they could have done. I mean, like, I want to give him some credit for even trying it. But like I said, my cousin's got a popular local band and she does. <laughs> my uncle's going to be mad. But she does a cover. They do a cover of The Ocean. And I, I love her. And she's got a beautiful voice. But that is a tall order. And I just don't. I've never heard anybody do it to where I thought, oh, nice job. It's like, can I, I'm going to go get my Led Zeppelin records out and, and hear where, that. Song. Where,
0: is the, where is the song even yep. in the movie? Like I was listening for it, I, I couldn't find it either. Yeah, I I didn't I didn't I, I had the same. So he problem. totally was, threw the bone for. I was looking his wife for to to get on the soundtrack.
2: If if it's in there somewhere, yeah. it is hidden because I watched I, I watched for it. You know, I made I have a whole sheet of notes about every song. You know where they're playing. Uh, it, it's not anywhere I can find. I I heard radio song, family affair, yeah. all that stuff. This is. I want to say
1: I heard the intro to it being played really quickly, but also this thing has gotten in my head. Like I gotta, it's going to take a, a melon baller to get this thing out.
0: Yeah. Now yeah. that they're divorced, uh, now that they're divorced, it. do you think that he regrets putting this on? Uh, yeah. Oh, that Absolutely. and the one off of say anything. Well, uh, what was he thinking? Uh, oh, <laughs> Hold on. Wait, hold on. Save, <laughs> no, save that for that all episode. Right. Save that for that episode. All right. I Cause, will. Cause I will. we're, will. we're going to have some vitriol from you on that one, I think too. So, all right. Uh, all right. This is straight ones big big stinker on that one all right let's move on let's let's, let's go to happier songs shall we this is chloe dancer crown of thorns this is mother love bone so i can't always make her
2: laugh but i'm proud to say and i won't forget the time spent
0: Get us started because you are I, you are the Andrew Wood aficionado.
1: I love Mother Love Bone so much. I I went into this thinking you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fair. I'm gonna give every song a chance, and it's I'm I can't. I love Mother Love Bone. I feel it. I I know it's one of those things where when I listen to them, I went through and got the box set and I listened to it trying to find some hidden gems. I don't. I don't know what would have came, but these songs that they wrote that were on—I mean, I I prefer the Shine EP to Apple, but just barely. But these—he was such a—he uh, ama- <laughs> was such the antithesis of his roommate and best friend Chris Cornell. I mean, he's a completely different rock star, but he just wrote these great songs, um, and it, it's just—I I, he had such a—you know, there was there's clearly. A lot going on in his head i mean addiction is a a, a big theme in most mother <laughs> love bone songs and anytime you hear the word a, a reference to a pony or a horse yeah i always think heroin but uh i know the chloe dancer was about his girlfriend that was gonna have to start stripping to pay the bills and i'd, I'd read some story but she where she said that she worked there an hour and she left um but it was yep it, it was uh just you know, being able to take those life experiences and put them into a song—it just, if it, when I start to listen to Mother Love Bone, I just get sad because I, I feel like there were it was tragically ripped away from us.
2: Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, th- this is a just a beautiful song. Here's the th- the thing about it that's interesting is Pearl Jam is one of my favorite bands. Um uh, and they have their favorite song of mine on this album. And yet, I, I like this song better from Mother Love Bone. It, it's just, it's epic. Um, I, I know it's Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns, but I always com- think of these and play these together as one song the way it is combined. Um, they, they're just, it's like a, like a two-act kind of piece, uh, almost like a Queen song or something like that. that uh, yeah, Chloe Dancer it, is
1: so short. It almost comes off yeah. like an intro. I agree, and it and it, it does, and it yeah. and they they just melt into each other seamlessly.
2: Yeah, and I've seen Pearl Jam cover this. Um, uh, it's it's just a, a phenomenal song. Uh, I, I really wish I could have seen uh, Andrew Wood live. Did you ever see the uh, documentary Malfunction? The documentary about him.
1: No, is it on Netflix? Because
2: I uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know if it's on Netflix or not. I think it might be on YouTube. Um, I saw it in the theater. Oh um malfunction the andrew wood story came out in like 2005 really pretty interesting it's fun to watch um fun is the wrong word sad um but it, it shows that side of him like he he would have been a good rock star you know
1: oh yeah he's, he's one of those people have... i was just born to do it but it's so weird yeah. uh, you can see him he's this shorter guy you see him wearing shorts and a lakers jersey just looking like a regular thing and then all of a sudden he's got that that powder makeup and that big furry coat and he's landrew and it's just this whole yeah different thing that's just out is out of this world
2: this this song is probably somewhere in my top 10 songs of anything all time you know i absolutely don't,
1: I'm not- couldn't agree more Ban you there
0: um yeah i'm just <laughs> listening to this because you guys are just going on and on about your love fest for Mother Love Bone, I, dude, I, 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 I love Mother Love Bone, not nearly like you guys do, I, and I know that, um, so that's why I was just sitting back and listening to the Love Fest. So
2: it's even if you, uh, you know, don't aren't into all of the Mother Love Bone stuff, I think that this song sticks out even in a a way that's different from the rest of their stuff. Like this is the bright shining star, even of the Mother Love Bone. Yeah, this
1: is the one that I can say I don't know what got the record companies interested in him, but I, I got to believe it had to be some version of this song. Cause it's like, you say. I agree. This is, this yeah. is the one song that they have that I just, I can't hear enough. I mean, if it's, if it comes on, I stop and, and just listen to the,
0: till it's over. And this is not Me the too. first time that Cameron Crowe used this in a movie.
2: No, Say anything. Say anything. No. He used it.
0: Correct. Correct. All right. Let's get some scores. Actually. Do I even need to get your scores? I already know where you Wayne,
2: 13 13 man this is yeah
0: i'm at 12 13. so i mean if right. if that allison chain song was not on here this would be a this would be a, a a strong nod for the number one shot for 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 me as well so well
2: that's how i am with my top three on this that, that i mean they're they're things that are just edging each other out but you know this is clearly my favorite
0: all right let's move on here is the seventh song on the on the album this is birth ritual by sound Ray talked a little bit about where the placement is on the movie it's great um so just having many beers <laughs> yeah um all right what do, what do we want to say about birth ritual because we're we are all sound garden fans um i i am am proud to say that uh you know i i own a lot of sound garden in the collection because I I love him, uh, Chris Cornell is just what a what a a different voice for our generation. And look, he he is the godfather of the Seattle music scene. Can we all agree on that?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one to agree on because, like I say, Andrew Wood's uh, death is what the inspiration of this movie came from. I had read something from. Um Cameron Crowe was somewhere in yeah. the night he died and he couldn't believe how all these guy, ga- all this, all these musicians just gathered together to, um, and were so, you know, in the, in this, in their sorrow, but, uh, this is not one of the best Soundgarden songs. I, I, his voice on this, it, no. it's, it's too shrieky. I feel I gave it a four, but there's a lot of good stuff on here. I mean. There's a couple that stand out as uh, that that are at the bottom but then the rest of them it kind of it's it's tough when you look at this song but I I kind of judged it against other Soundgarden songs and it's not it's not one of my favorites this does seem like something they they also had laying around and cuz there was no room on an album for it
2: Yeah I I think uh, that uh, if, if he's the godfather it's because it was handed down from Andrew Wood and he kind of took that mantle as his friend and he I think he is a glue from yeah. that Seattle scene for sure Um, but but I'm the same way as Wayne on this, like this, this is not one of my favorite Soundgarden songs, but it gets a, a few extra points from me because of the scene in the movie, um, where it's at the fact that they're playing it live in the movie. Um, so it gets some extra points for me. Uh, it's a seven for me on that because of that. And, and, and I've seen that whole, if you get a chance to watch that whole, uh, scene of that, they shot of them performing this live, it's really great. Like he's climbing into the rafters. I think this one was shot at rock candy. Oh,
0: nice. So you gave it a seven, Wayne? I gave it a four. Okay, It was and one I, of
1: those ones where I just flopped around a little bit. I had yeah. to assign a four.
0: And I gave it a six. So middle of the pack. I mean, I think we're all in agreement. This is not one of Sandgarden's better songs. This is definitely not one of Chris Cornell's better vocal performances. I mean, we 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 could be here all night. Going through, you know the 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 best of of Cornell and and where he shined and yeah
2: yeah this one is a yeah. little shrieky like Wayne said um, I think it's a little bit better Soundgarden song than Breath is a Pearl Jam song for for sure but
0: yeah. all right yeah let's move on this is a State of Love and Trust by PJ
1: yeah,
2: State of Love and Trust. This is my favorite Pearl Jam song. I love it. Uh, this is one of those songs that I love hearing live. Any chance I get to see him live, if if uh, you know, this is the song that if they play it, I feel like it's a successful outing. Um, uh, it's just great. It's and I read a little bit about this too. That Eddie wrote the lyrics after seeing the film, and he wrote it about what he thought the film was about. State of Love and Trust. It's like relationships. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a really um, it's a rockin' song. It's a Pearl Jam song. It fits into to what they do, um, for sure. There's a great uh, there's a great thing that I read from. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was Ament who was talking about how the version that they did of this with Dave Cruzen was actually really better than what they released, uh, and and how he plays the song more in the spirit that it was it was written in, and, and he compares it a lot more to like a Crazy Horse feel. Uh, which, if you get a chance to listen to it, it's on the reissue of of 10. And it does have a very crazy horse kind of vibe to it. So, really, really great.
0: Guess who I saw playing drums last night with Candlebox?
2: Yeah, Dave Cruzen.
0: Dave Cruzen. yeah. And, and when he was introducing, I'm like, ah, that name sounds really familiar. I did have to wiki it, but yeah. Um, yeah,
2: and Gaslight Anthem has a cover of this. It's pretty good. Very good, yeah. I'm
0: surprised yeah. Wayne hasn't already talked about it.
1: I haven't, I did not know. I, I mean, yeah, what? I, got, I got a busy life. I don't, I can't listen to everything all the time. This is why this, that you got me actually on some, you know, a vigorous regimen of whatever you pick for the next week. I've been busy listening to this.
2: <laughs>
1: I will say this, this, this song, I'm actually, I'm going to change cause I'm looking at my notes and I got this as a nine and I'm going to change it to a 10 Uh, I do love Mud, Honey, but this is everything that breath is not. Um, This this is, you know, what I expect from Pearl Jam. This is uh, Eddie Vedder is (laughs) totally committed to this song. um, And everybody uh, this. This is the the antithesis of breath.
2: Okay, quintessential Pearl Jam, I think.
1: Yeah, quintessential. Perfect.
2: Yeah. All
0: right. Let's get some scores. So, Jeff.
2: This is 12 for me. This is my second
0: favorite on here. Okay. Wayne,
1: I'm flip-flopping it with mud, honey. I'm going to give it a 10.
0: Yeah. You just kind of screwed up my scoring spread. I know I got, I got, I did that on purpose. I got it. I got it. I told
1: myself I shouldn't do it. And then I said, you know what? As Jeff would say, I'm doing it. (laughs) Horn honking, do it.
0: (laughs) All right. All right. There there you go. So I'm giving it a nine. Um, all right, let's go to mud honeys overblown. That's, uh, Number nine. So Wayne, why did you flip flop, Mud Honey and PJ?
1: You know, in the uh, now, I now I'm 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 regretting it. No, I'm just this song. uh, (laughs) State 11 Trust is is a much more solid song. Overblown is not the best Mud Honey song. Is whereas I think State 11 Trust is one of the the top tier Pearl Jam songs. Um, But I love Mud Honey. They're much more of a punk rock a vein along the you know along nirvana lines but this song the word i wrote down was sneering i mean this is a complete you're all in my town posing you don't know anything about this you don't belong here um this whole thing is 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 becoming a joke kind of a but it's very punk rock and it's and it's just a sneering indictment on the whole scene blowing up
0: Everybody loves us. Everybody loves our town. Yeah. Um,
2: this is playing on the jukebox of Eric Stoltz as the mime during that. That's, that's what that's, this is.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, you know, and when I saw your score come in, Wayne, my immediate reaction was Wayne just pulled a punk rock move right there because <laughs> because um, my score is three. You already know what your score is, giving it a nine. Jeff, what's your score?
2: Uh, this is two for me. I'm not a Mudhoney fan. I don't like this song. Um, I don't hate it uh, the way I hate um, Battle of Evermore, but uh, if Battle <laughs> of Evermore were not on this album, this is where we would have had our our big disagreement on the worst song on the album. Uh, but luckily, uh, Lovemonger saved us from that. But I, I'm just not a Mudhoney fan. What Never if, been my thing
0: what if this was touch me I'm sick and not overblown
2: I would prefer it
0: but it would still get a two probably
2: probably yeah. still not a great song touch me I'm dick is or touch me I'm sick is still not a great song for me
0: yeah Wayne how about you if this was touch me I'm sick
1: oh it it'll it 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 would be I might not have made my flip-flop I might have left it at at ten
0: okay Look, you know, and this this is just the difference between you and I, because during this time I'm listening to the Posies, which is, you know, definitely not on this soundtrack. They were they were kind of on the periphery of the the whole Seattle sound. And you were listening to Mother Love Bone and Mudhoney.
1: Yeah, Mud Honey is just much more of. I mean, when you say grunge, this is the that's grunge. What it actually, yeah. which it, what, yeah, it's it comes from punk rock, and it's definitely a, a DIY kind of anti-establishment stuff. And 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 I <laughs> obviously I def, I definitely dig that um, uh, much more so than you know than. And now that I've grown I mean, like I say, I've grown up a lot of things have happened, but I I do like Mud Honey. I think they're they're a great punk rock band that that uh you know, political along the lines of not so much the clash, but their 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 songs are about stuff that's happening and yeah. It's angry and
2: to me, they're right there with the Melvins. I, I'm like eh.
1: Uh, they're super more they're 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 a thousand times more <laughs> talented than the Melvins yeah that's not fair Toto's
2: Africa man Toto's Africa
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I, I can't even believe
1: this I mean I'm on a podcast with a guy who says rumors is his favorite seed his favorite record and a guy who thinks Africa by Toto is a good song I, I don't I, love, I don't know what's love become it. of me what's become of you wayne <laughs> fugate uh.
0: um i'm 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 proud to say you're my co-host thank you. <laughs> Proud to be your co host. I'll say All that. All right. Too. All right. Let's move on. So, this is uh, the second Westerberg song. So, this is Waiting for Somebody. I'm going to go ahead and get started with this. Cause this, uh, this is, this is, uh, this is Westerberg and you know how I love me some Westerberg. I went back and forth between which song I liked better dyslexic Heart" or waiting for some putty. I know Wayne, you've already, you know, gushed all over dyslexic Heart," and that's, you know, one of your favorites. Um, I couldn't decide. Um, this is, and this, I felt was to your point, Wayne, that they came back to this song a couple different times. It was in the opening credits. You could hear a little bit of the guitar riff later on in, in the movie. So, um, I did give it a little bit higher score than you guys did. I gave this an eight just because, you know, it did have a little bit of that connection, had a little bit of that. Somebody's baby, uh, vibe of, you know, coming back to, to that joke. Um, you know, like, like, bring him bring him back to uh Toda's africa a couple times and i bet you're going to do it again right jeff
2: uh perhaps if i can find another opportunity to sneak it in
0: <laughs> you'd be crazy not to
2: um th- this one I, I think it's just so similar in a lot of ways from just dis- to, to dyslexic heart really in terms of vibe uh it's actually a little more crucial to the film um in the way that it's used but i i think that the writing of dyslexic heart to me is just yeah. more clever um that's what it came Great. down to for me um Terrific song. I love it. But, you know, in the scheme of the whole album, it's a five for me just because there's just so many other songs on here. And I'm not I I wasn't going to plunk both of his that high. Yeah.
0: Uh, How about you, Wayne? Yeah, and I I gave it a—I gave it a five
1: also. And I and like I say, totally on the fact that it doesn't fit the soundtrack. It's it's incredibly crucial to the movie. And like I've said, I think the movie could have been called Waiting for Somebody. It's that crucial to the movie. It's played that much. But in the, in the scheme of the soundtrack, both his songs could have been, if they would have been left off, I think the soundtrack has a much more cohesive feel to it. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a good song. It's just of the two, I, I'd really like dyslexic heart. I, 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 uh, it's just a clever, much more clever song. And, uh, this one has just, like I say, it's crucial to the movie, but it's, I think it's not crucial to the soundtrack. Yeah. All
0: right. All right, let's move on. Uh, this is uh, the Jimi Hendrix experience with May This Be Love. Waterfall Nothing can
2: harm me at all My worries seem so very small But my waterfall
1: I can see my rainbow through
2: the of
0: my and I always, I always dubbed this the waterfall song. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I, in fact, I thought it was waterfalls up until you know, I don't know, a couple of years after I bought the 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 soundtrack because I never looked at the soundtrack names because i you know you we knew him by heart um all right so if you're gonna do a a, a movie about seattle and have you have the, to you absolutely you, have you to you do some seattle sound stuff you got to throw in jimmy right
1: yeah and you know when you look at or when you listen to these other bands i mean there's there's something in it i mean i think there is something from Jimi Hendrix in all these bands somewhere. I know, I mean, that may sound a little, little, you know, mystic, but I mean, I believe he's crucial to, to this sound and the, and this whole thing that happened. Um, but yeah, if you make a movie about music in Seattle, there is no way you can leave off Jimi Hendrix or, or Hart for that matter. You, ha- I understand why Anne and Nancy Wilson were put on the soundtrack. I just think they made a bad choice and what they did with it and this one i wouldn't say it's a bad choice i find it i find it an odd choice like i think i would have used i would have used something like highway child or or crosstown traffic i mean especially with campbell's uh got working at the department of transportation i think crosstown traffic would have been a great song to put in here instead but you had to have a Jimi hendrix song on here there's no no way you could do a soundtrack about a movie about seattle music and not have Jimi Hendrix. i would have
0: put the song that you put on the disappointment list
1: oh castle's made of sand
0: yeah yeah that that and that would have that would have been way higher score than what i'm going to give give this um you know and the and the one thing the one the one thing i would say with uh you know your your talk about jimmy and Hart. where's paul revere and the raiders where where are they in now oh,
1: that's that's not that i don't i don't know what that is but i nobody knows remembers that <laughs> what are you going to put on your cherokee people
0: Yeah, I was trying to completely insensitive. I I was trying to poke you. It worked. Okay, go. All
2: right. All right, Jeff. This one, um, I I agree. Uh, You have to put Jimmy. You have the tribute to Jimmy uh, with the Cliff Pontier uh, laying down at his grave playing guitar. Just the most like hacky, (laughs) uh, stereotypical thing for a musician to do in that moment. It's great. Um, I just wish they had gone with I wish they' had gone with a different Jimmy song. i I, I this yeah. th- this song is not bad in its placement in the movie when you know, they're getting together in the kitchen and washing the dishes and it's not bad in the movie, but on the soundtrack it 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 just doesn't fit for me and that's and that's where it scored lower than um, you know, what I'd like to score a Jimi Hendrix song, to be honest with you, but it just doesn't fit for me.
0: i I like the the, the placement. I mean, you know, she broke the dish that they they come back to the breaking of the dish where she's picking up the piece of the dish. And she's like, Oh yeah, this reminds me of listening to Jimi Hendrix with Steve Dunn.
2: Yeah. But, uh, I was the same way with, I love the placement of the cult. She sells sanctuary too, but it wouldn't have been a great fit on this soundtrack for me. Um, so when you're putting the soundtrack together and I wonder if he didn't put a different Jimmy uh, song, if there, if there was one he wanted, but couldn't get perhaps, or something of that nature. Maybe. Um, yeah, so I, I'm a three on this one, unfortunately. But uh,
0: yeah. okay, how
2: about you, Wayne?
1: I gave it a six. It's still Jimi Hendrix, but like I say, I I, I feel like uh, uh, yeah, Castles Made of Sand or Crosstown Traffic, Highway Child, they all would have gone
0: much higher than this. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I'm giving this a five, so I think we're we're pretty right in there. All right, second to last song on the record. This is Nearly Lost You by The Screaming
1: Trees.
0: And this was this was a single um, and I don't think they intended it to be a single, but it just kind of became that um, because they they re- uh, originally released Wood by Allison Chains and they released the very last song, which we'll talk about here in a minute. They actually said that that was a single as well, which I kind of find that hard to believe, but whatever. Um and this reached up to number five on the alternative songs chart and twelve on the mainstream rock. So did they did they get that high a chart because of being in the movie?
2: Maybe, but I, I love this song. I really like this song yeah, a lot. I, it's a great song.
1: This this yeah, this is the song I associated with that movie. For the longest time, um, I, 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 because I, I think Wood actually, I had heard it. I think was Dirt out earlier. It just doesn't seem like when I would hear "Nearly Lost You," it's just I. The first thing I would think of is this movie, it, it, and it's kind of the the song that makes me think of this movie. Um, and it's a great song. I mean, it's just a really good song.
2: I, I think "Screaming makes- Trees" is a little uh, underappreciated from this scene. Honestly, and they're—I they're, guess they're a little more Eastern Washington, really, right? <laughs> uh, Central,
0: Central. They're from C- Ellensburg.
2: C- Central Ellensburg. Yeah, uh, Mark yeah. Lanigan. I just think is fantastic. Uh, I think this is a, a, a band that got a little bit lost. Uh, that I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from.
1: Yeah. More so than Candlebox. That's for <laughs> yeah,
2: sure. I agree with you. I would rather see more Screaming
0: Trees than Candlebox. Easy. You're getting it, you're getting a shirt of Candlebox, my friend. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. First of all, anytime someone says, do you want a shirt? You always say yes. I mean, how bad can it be?
0: <laughs> all right. Fair enough. All right. Let's, let's do some scores. I'm giving this a seven.
2: This is an eight for me.
1: I also gave it
0: an eight. Okay. We
2: agree a lot, Wayne, considering got, our, you know our disproportionate, uh, disagreement on Toto's Africa and Mudhoney's <laughs> Overblown. We actually agree on a lot of things here. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of yes, we have a lot of common ground, Jeff. There's, that's clear. There's there's yeah. there's bridges being built.
2: Yeah, we could probably hug.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I would I would definitely hug you. Uh, <laughs> I, that's not going to make that's not going to make Toto Toto a good band or Africa a good song. But we I can still, hug you know, while listening.
2: We can hug while listening to Africa. Oh, I,
1: that sounds that sounds like a time right there. That's that's a that's, good time. I'll make it a good, a good time. I promise you that. <laughs> well, I am gonna I can say I'm gonna when you if you would you do stand up in Seattle, you've got to let me know because I'm definitely gonna go.
2: Hey, I'll be in Portland uh in at the end of April. That's as close as I get right now to Seattle. But,
1: I so. I do love strip clubs and alcohol, so I don't <laughs> mind going to Portland.
2: All right. <laughs> I don't know where this has gone.
0: This has gone off the rails. All right, uh last song on the record. This is the smashing pumpkins with drown. So I, I, just talked about how there was a single apparently for this, but I have not heard a radio edit. Anyone actually hear this on the radio? Did any, has anybody seen a radio edit of this? Cause it's eight minutes and 17 seconds. <clears throat>
2: No, I think that I had read that they did a cut-down version of it though, that there is uh there there's definitely a version that's that's shorter. I think the fact that it's an eight-minute song kind of jumps into my wheelhouse a little bit. Um, I'm not a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, but I really, really dig this song, actually. This I don't know why they're in a uh you know, I, I give a pass to Paul Westerberg because he's he's doing the the score and he's Paul Westerberg. And I I'm not really sure. Why you would put a Smashing Pumpkins, you know, Chicago-based band, in the middle of the soundtrack? But I actually really like the song. Uh, I like it better than a lot of other Smashing Pumpkin songs. Uh, I like the epic nature of it. So it just kind of it kind of wears it's, on it, me, I guess.
1: It's Toto's Africa all over again. Uh, this is a four-minute song. First of all, the last four minutes are complete screeching noise, a la Sonic Youth and it's not necessary, um, if there's a radio edit, it better be just shy of four minutes because the it it's just four minutes of complete noise.
0: I remember listening to this song in my car when the soundtrack first came out, and I remember Wayne saying, their name is not Smashing Pumpkins, their name is Smashing Milk, because they are milking the crap out of this guitar <laughs> solo.
2: <laughs> I like it. I, I, I did this, this song. Are you, are you not a Sonic Youth fan? I, they're hit and miss.
1: I like, they, uh, I don't uh, like cool, don't cool them. thing. Um, incendiary. What's the one? Uh, is it incendiary? They have like four or five songs that I like. And the rest of it is just noise that, that Carpenter's cover is really good. Superstar.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually that is, yeah. that's, that's probably my only one that I like. There's that be uh, the only Sonic Youth song I like is the Carpenter's cover.
1: Uh, check out cool thing. It's actually the Kim Gordon sings it instead of, uh, Thurston Moore, and it's uh, yeah, it's actually I think it's got a Chuck D, uh, like rap break in it somewhere. That's a good song too. But yeah, they they I don't know understand why they're they're famous because they're most of the stuff is just noise. But this this goes into a, an eight minutes. I mean, I I just my notes say eight minutes. Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah. So uh, so Wayne, what's your score?
1: This <laughs> this is a two. Nothing can beat the love mongers, but this was right just right down the right down the street from yeah, them
0: so I gave this a four,
2: and this is heads and heads and tails above mud honey for me, so this is a six for me <laughs> okay there we
0: go. and where'd you put it yeah, back gave it a four yeah, yeah, all right, split the difference let's uh let's talk about our top five, so I think it's it's pretty safe to say we know what the number one song is. Chloe, Chloe dancer, yeah. Chloe, dancer, yeah, uh, two, Wood, yep, uh, we got a tie for third because of Wayne's flip flopping, flip flop,
1: state of love and trust, and, and dyslexic yeah, heart, yeah, probably
0: correct, and oh, then yeah. Uh, yeah. number five,
2: uh,
0: uh, seasons, we really lost seasons, you? seasons, yeah, that's that's wow. that's your top five, so so looking at the stuff that just missed out. So yeah, screaming trees missed out. Uh waiting for somebody missed out. Um safe to say uh we know what our our uh, stinker was.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Battle of Nevermore.
0: I never want to hear that song again. Absolutely. I'm totally totally in agreement on that. All right.
2: You know the one thing the one thing we did the piece of trivia we didn't talk about was uh the way that Chris Cornell, did you read about how uh the Citizen Dick songs, there was a list of the Citizen Dick songs, uh just the titles. And so he made he took the challenge to write songs to all of those. Oh, really? That's 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 where the name Seasons came from, but also that's where Spoon Man came yes. from.
0: Yes, okay, I knew this. It, oh, and I saw that on the it, uh deluxe edition. It, I didn't know, yeah.
2: It came from a Citizen Dick uh, song, and you can hear while they're hanging up a Citizen Dick poster, like an early version. When I was watching the movie, that's why I looked it up, because I was like, that sounds like Spoon Man yeah. to me. And it's like an early acoustic version uh, of, of Spoon Man. So that's where he got it from, which I think is just fascinating. We get we get Spoon Man out of the fact that uh, it, it was a title of a song in, in uh, Citizen Dick's lineup.
0: So, so, so Wayne, going back to our episode with Carrie from Hammerbox, you, 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 you found the reference to, to Hammerbox within the movie.
1: Yeah. That, that poster is, uh, being hung up, but that poster I was showing when I texted you that picture that's in that, have have you been up here recently, Jeff? Cause they got a huge Pearl jam exhibit at, at the Mopop it used to be EMP, um, just tons of stuff in there tons of really cool stuff in there uh and that that picture is in there
2: i haven't been there i haven't been up for a little while i haven't been up for a little while but
1: yeah if you check out the instagram on the the, i attached it to the records revisited hashtag um they just had and that's only just some of they just had a ton of they have a huge pearl jam exhibit and it just it i mean it has all those shirts that eddie wore in the videos it's got tons of concert uh it's actually got a studio replica with all their equipment when they when they record live and stuff it just has a ton of really really cool stuff promotional posters through the from in fact they had a promotional poster from this band shadow which is the band that mike McCready was in with the freel brothers and danny newcomb from goodness uh way back in like the hair metal days and stuff and they got a, a good chunk of there's a big statue of andrew wood like coming out of these flames and there's a couple of mother love bone things but just some really really cool pearl jam
2: memorabilia nice. awesome all right did we do we do we get it all i think so can i can, do i do i get to plug anything before we end this yeah yes you can go plug <laughs> just I, I it's a little thing i get to be on my first tv show ever so i have my first i have oh. my first tv appearance on um wednesday march 27th it's uh on the fxx show you're the worst um, it's a featured part, no lines, but uh um I I play a curler and uh hopefully it'll be some good screen times the first time I get to see myself on TV. So I'm kinda excited. Cool stuff. So cool stuff. I love it. There's that, and then um, like I said, I'm in, I'm actually in Reno that week, Tuesday through Sunday, the twenty sixth through the thirty first, the Laugh Factory, and then uh April eighth through fourteenth of the Laugh Factory in Vegas. So those are the things I have to plug. There we are, go. When are you in Portland? I'm in Portland, uh, April 18th through 21st at Harvey's.
1: Uh, oh, the 21st. Because I'm, I'm going to the John Mellencamp concert. I want to say it's the 23rd, which is like a Tuesday. And so yeah. I was going to go up that's early. A, yeah. A-
2: yeah, I'm there 18th through 21st. So that's my first time up to that club. I've done the Seattle Underground Ground a couple of times. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get rebooked up there, but it's uh, it takes a lot of emails back and forth to get it happening.
1: <laughs> well, I might come see you in Portland because I'm going to be I'm going to be in town for the John Mellencamp concert. So I might uh, I might just go up early. Yeah, are
2: you on the are you on the Facebooks?
1: I'm not. I are got an on Instagram, Facebook? but I no. Nah, I'm on just Instagram. On, yeah. All
2: right. Well, follow, follow me on Instagram. It's at, at JeffMakesJokes, and then I'll follow you back, and we'll communicate through there. Cool. Yeah. I think I've got your email now, too, with the uh, email that Ben sent out. Yes, you do. All right. All right. It's been a pleasure
0: revisiting with you. This is a usual. blast. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I tell him it's the coolest thing I do. Yeah, it is. Well, I'm not on TV shows, so I guess I, it's... Not so well, right it's now the TV shit.
2: show is literally the coolest thing I've. That's the coolest thing I've done. So I, I, I have the one thing, so I'm clinging to it really heavy right now. I got a fourth of a trailer on set, you know, like a trailer with four doors, and one of them was mine. Uh, I was, I was, I had a vision of it having my name on the door, but it, uh, it just had it said "curling man," which I thought sounded like a superhero, so that was pretty cool. Um,
0: yeah, you can't go wrong there. Eh? Uh, any other uh, Toto Africa digs you want to you want to throw in there before we, uh, we uh, break?
2: No, no, I I think uh, we we probably we probably did that. Okay, enough. all right, let's do Just this. Soon as
1: it
0: becomes a good song, well, I'll be worried about it.
2: <laughs> horn honk you, man! Horn honk <laughs> you. you. Yeah. Go horn honk yourself.
0: All right. Thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. Go to a live show, buy a t shirt of the band, buy a record. Find Wayne on Instagram with the hashtag Africa is a good song. Uh, visit a record store and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited and we are out. out.